The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the first chapter. To you, O Lord. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided as one having a grasp of everything from the start to write a well-ordered account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may have a a firm grasp of the words in which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God during his section's turn of duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know that this will happen? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time, You will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was ended, he returned to his home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Zechariah and Elizabeth were an old couple who had everything but a child, the only thing that they wanted. And certainly they had spent their lives praying for one as they waited and waited. And this is how the Christmas story begins, with yearning. And no one can hear the promises of this season without recovering their old longings. We long for the Christmas gifts of hope, love, joy, and peace. 
We long for the wonder and mystery we had as children. We long to believe that God really is Emmanuel with us. Zechariah was a priest of the people. And one day it fell to him to enter the holy sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense on behalf of the people while all the people prayed outside. And inside the sanctuary, Zechariah prayed his own yearnings. And the people outside prayed their yearnings. And all of them were praying for the peace of Israel. And suddenly the angel Gabriel appeared and announced to Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth would bear a son with him. This son named John will prepare the way of the Lord. And then Gabriel said, you will have joy and gladness. And Zechariah responded, how can this be? My wife and I are old. How can it be that my prayers are answered? When Zechariah and Elizabeth were young and newly married, they had expectations. Expectations of becoming parents. But as the years rolled by without a child, they settled into their disappointment. They took the old yearning they had for a child and placed it on a shelf in the closet of their hearts. And like us, they probably found some way of coping with the disappointment of their expectations. Maybe Zechariah threw himself into his work as a priest. Elizabeth maybe cared for her nieces and nephews, fulfilled her duties as a wife of a priest, took a pottery class, signed up for Pilates. We tell ourselves that if we don't get what we expect, The only mature thing to do is to cope with how it is. And the Bible does not tell us we will get what we want just because we expect it. In fact, it says that we should be very careful about expectations because they are a veiled means of controlling the future. And the future belongs to God. Instead, the Bible calls us to live with expectancy. To live with expectancy is to believe that God is at work in our world and in our lives, so anything can happen. To live with expectancy is to believe that the future is open and there are still surprises yet to behold. And to live with expectancy is to have hope. Not that we will get what we want, but that we will receive the next chapter in God's mysteriously unfolding drama. We get in trouble with Christmas when we try to capture its expectancy with our own expectations. We all have expectations about who will be with us for these holidays, how the celebration will go, how much work we will get done, and how happy others will be with us because of our gifts and the sacrifices that we've made. And most of the stress and all of the disappointments of the season are rooted in expectations. Disappointed expectations are just part of the Christmas tradition. The only people who enjoy the season are those who go about their work with expectancy, thinking something will happen. Somehow a Christmas miracle will come. But our expectations blind us to its arrival. 
Even if an angel showed up in our kitchen to declare good news of great joy, we would say, how can this be? It's not in the plan. And so the angel told Zechariah that since he did not believe this good news, he would become mute until the child was born. After all, what does a priest have to say who lives without expectancy? According to the Jewish Mishnah, we know it was the custom for the priest to leave the sanctuary of the Lord and then give the waiting people the great blessing of Aaron. It's one we often use at the end of our worship. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But because he did not have hope, Zechariah could not bless his people. And so Zechariah does not say a word for nine very long months. But that's only a metaphor of the reality that his life has not spoken of expectant hope for a long time. A life without hope cannot speak blessings. And so the question today for us is, what does your life speak to those around you? Does it speak of disappointed expectations? Or does it speak a blessing? The poet William Stafford wrote, Ask me whether what I have done is my life. And the poet then describes life as a frozen river. But there is so much more to the river than the ice. There is also the current that gives the river its life. Every adult knows that eventually the disappointed expectations begin to accumulate. Zechariah and Elizabeth were disappointed that they did not have a child. Other couples expected to grow old together and were disappointed because one of them died too soon. Still others expect to keep their health only to watch it slip through their fingers. And as these disappointments pile up, they harden us like ice. And this isn't to say that we necessarily get mean or cynical, but even at our best, we just ice over the old yearnings and longings that we used to have. And we do what we have to do. We go to work. We meet our responsibilities and we pay our bills, but beneath our icy resolve to get on with the business of daily routines, the yearning still runs in deep currents. No matter how impressive your work may be, a friend will ask you if what you have done is your life. And actually, this is what Christmas is trying to ask you, too. Isn't there something more to you? Something deeper? Some low-running current of expectancy within you? When we hear, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, it's as if the angels are breaking through the ice of coping skills to find hope. And if you truly hear this message, it has a way of leaving you in silence. I'm not sure if Zechariah's nine months of silence was a punishment or a grace. During this period of disability, he was able to focus on the ability of God as the miracle grew in Elizabeth's womb. 
And if you're paying attention, there's something about Christmas which also takes the words away from you. And it's sometimes in the silent moments that it is most easy to behold the work of God among us. Have you ever stayed up late at night and stared at the lights on your Christmas tree? Have you ever walked down a snowy sidewalk alone at night and marveled at the sound of fresh snow crunching under your feet? Have you ever sat at a table for Christmas dinner and been surrounded by the people you love who are laughing and telling stories? You take a moment to look around at these people and silently realize that these are your real Christmas gifts? Silence. I think one of the reasons we always put animals at the manger in our nativity creches, even though they're not in the Bible, is that our souls envy the animals' comfort at living without words. You cannot behold a miracle when you're talking. So do not allow these next three weeks to be filled with just noisy activity. If you have a few moments that are quiet enough, you can see the miracle of what Christ is doing in your own life. And then you can become expectant of what Christ can do in our world. And you become another John the Baptist who prepares the way for the fulfillment of the promises we most need, like peace on earth. Our world needs believers at Christmas time. And it's striking that Luke begins his gospel with Zechariah unable to bless the people. And he then ends his gospel with Jesus Christ lifting his hands to bless his followers. It's as if Luke's point is to say that Jesus does what we cannot do. He believes what we cannot imagine. He saves those we cannot help. He breaks through the icy resolve to recover our souls. He is the holy response to every yearning. Remember in this season that at Christmas it is God who is doing the giving. The rest of us are receiving. And what God is giving is God. And it may not be what you expected or even wanted, but as your yearning soul will tell you, it's exactly the gift that you most need. So don't just ask me whether what I have done is my life. Ask me whether what Christ has done is my life. Amen.